when somebody says they're leaving, you make them cook at the next party. That's just that's, that's how that works. So, um, bless, blessed be the Lord if or if he does not let me help me make it through today. So, uh, we are continuing our series in First Samuel. We are chapter f- 25 today. Anybody want to preach after that? <laughs> um, we're we're going to get into a, a, a kind of an interesting uh, passage. I, what I, one of the things I like about the books of Samuel is their stories, their their narratives, and sometimes um, it's a little difficult to look through the weeds and come out with what's going on here because you get a bunch of people behaving badly, and the question is, where's God in this? What's a truth or a moral or how do I, what do I pull from this? How do I pull from this? And we're kind of going to get that um, today uh, with David and uh, this, this guy and his wife. We're going to meet Abigail today and her husband. Um, he's not a good guy. And, oh, sorry. We're going to see um, an opportunity for forgiveness, and we're going to see folly as well. And uh, part of what I'm doing right now is setting you up for the idea that you're, you're going to find forgiveness and you're going to find folly in life. You're going you're gonna to find opportunities for forgiveness and they will either happen or not. But there will be forgiveness scenarios that, that you can choose how you respond to. And then you're going to run into folly. <laughs> Any doubts on that one? I mean, turn on the media. <laughs> it's almost all folly or have kids right all right here we go first samuel chapter 25 um, verse 1 now samuel died that's it and sometimes the scripture uh, gives us no detail uh, because it's moving on to teach you something else and for me this is this is very anticlimactic and it's it's kind of like when brent called it's over (laughs) what wait what (laughs) where's the story behind it what's going on you know but uh samuel samuel's gone now and why why is this significant why is this important i mean uh, somebody broke this book into chapters a long time ago and decided that this chapter should start with that statement and mostly because the sentences go together, but we're going to start a new era, a new season, kind of like at Rock Bible Church, where someone who was the perceived spiritual leader of the land is now gone. David um, used Samuel regularly as his reference point. He wasn't sure, or he had a question, and he would run to Samuel. He was in danger. He'd run to Samuel and say, oh, should I be doing this or should I not? I want to inquire with the Lord. But, uh, well, what happens when, when that's not available anymore? You know, wh- what happens when mom or dad are not here anymore? When grandpa's, you know, finally gone or uh, spouse leaves? Or you, you have this frame of reference that was a support that was there. It was a strength, a comfort. And bam, he moves off to Florida. Right? So it's going to be interesting to see how David handles this. And David, um, 
Well, let's just say, let's not keep a report card on him. Okay, moving forward. Because he's going to do some things well, and he's going to do some things poorly. And now I want to ask you a question. Why is that good for us? If David's going to do some things really well, and then he's going to absolutely drop the bucket. Why is that good news for us? He's just like me. <laughs> I can relate to that. You know, the Bible um, really came alive and had more color for me when I started to realize that there's no perfect people in the Bible. Just trying to see if I'm getting away with that one. There's no perfect people in the Bible Thank you. We believe in the doctrine of the humanity of Christ. There was one perfect guy, okay, that we shan't ever be. Amen? Everybody else, imperfect. And when I started looking at the characters as imperfect and how they managed, pursued, investigated God themselves, how they prayed and realized, oh, they all had choices and sometimes they made poor ones. Well, gosh, that makes a lot of sense to me now. Because now I can re relate, I can adapt, I can emulate, that kind of thing. And we're going to see that from, from David, okay? Never thought you'd get so much out of three-word sentence, huh? No, Samuel died. And all Israel assembled and mourned for him. They buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. Just down the freeway? It was a long commute, but... Um, Carmel is a mountain and a valley area in, in Israel, for those of you who are into that. Um, the man was very rich. Already don't like him, right? He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. Now, the woman was discerning, and what? Hmm. Smart and good looking? Unheard of. Yeah. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. Well, that seems like the commentary on my marriage. He's discerning and beautiful and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, so David sent ten young men and said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him. In my name, and thus you shall greet him. This is what you should say when you greet him. Peace be to you, peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. Have we started well? Yeah. I hear that you have shears. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing. All the time they were with us in Carmel. Ask your young men. They'll tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes. Hey, we took care of your shepherds. Are shepherds fighting men? No, they're busy, right? They got work to do. David effectively protected this guy's shepherds when they were out far from the house and the whole thing. And he says, Let's, why don't you repay me the favor? Watch what he asked for. Um, for we have come on a feast day. <laughs> what are they saying? I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> you got to drive through. Uh, uh, please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. 
And when David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Hey, uh, who's this David guy? What are you talking about? Who's the son of Jesse? Like, I, do I know him? Does he know me? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. You know how many people want money, food? Everybody's got their hand out these days because they know uh, kingship is in question and things are a little weird. So I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give it to men who come from I don't know where. It's a really long way to say what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Be on your way. Now, um, do, you, do you remember um, who David is? What, what's, what's David's main line of work? Mm, no, that was when he was a boy. It's been a very long time since he's a shepherd. He's been doing much greater things. It, it involves shields and spears. And this, this, uh, this is an army captain, general, whatever. How many men does he have? 600. Okay, so do you want to pick a fight with him? Bro, you got sheep shares and shepherds. I got 600 men. He, he walked in nicely. He could have just come in and taken it, which, which we don't do. We don't just walk in and take things, right? When you're at somebody's house, you don't open their fridge. Amen? You don't walk in their bedrooms, the whole thing. You're invited in or you, you don't know. So he walks in and he says, hey, what can we do? And uh, he blows them off. David gets a little angry. He said to his men, verse 13, every man strap on his sword. And every man, uh, uh, every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. Why, why is that kind of interesting? I'm going to. I'm going to get me some blood. Right? He's, he's pretty angry. About 400 men up, went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Ooh, who's that guy? Just one of the young men. Huh. Somebody figured out that it was about to go down and thought, mm, maybe I'll try something. Maybe I'll be proactive, right? Tells Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. That's pretty accurate. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both by day and by night. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak of him. <laughs> That's we're going to put on my gravestone. Right? What a terrible commentary, right? This is one of the servants, probably, or one of the hired guys. He's like, look, you know who your husband is, and we know who David is. This is going to get really bad. You, you should come up with a plan, right? Now, what do we know about Ab Abigail besides her being Nabal's wife? She's smart, right? And she's good looking. What, any guesses where that's headed? The smart part, is she going to come up with a plan? Now, what's the good looking part about Mm. Why do we need to know that she's good looking? Good question. Let's find out. Here we go. Uh, consider what you're going to do. Okay, verse 18. Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves 
and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seahs, uh, that's a unit of measure, of parched grain and a uh, hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donk ease. Now, you think she did that by herself? No. She probably had servants, right? She had some people helping her. Um, she knows how to put a team together. She said to her young men, oh, there we go. We know that she had some young men. Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband to ball. And as she rode on the donkey and came under cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her and she met them. Right. It's almost like she there's there's a subtle implication like she might have sent her young men off and then she kind of tried to approach David by herself. Why would she do that? If you show up with men to men who are ready to fight, we're going to have a stare down and we could have a fight, right? Where if just this lady shows up with a massive meal and a bunch of donkeys by herself, that's no threat to the army. And now they're asking other questions, right? Uh, can we eat? You know, She didn't tell her husband. David came and, and she met them. Verse 21. Now David had said, surely in vain, I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed and all that had belonged to him. And he has returned me, what? Evil for good. Now, I know none of you do that. I just want to remind you, we don't do that, right? That's going to come out later, right? Do we repay good for evil? We do a lot of time. It's, we're kind of called to that. It's said differently, love your neighbor doesn't say love your nice neighbors love your capable neighbors convenient come you know whatever um verse 22 uh god do so to the enemies of david and more also if by morning i don't leave so much as one male of all who belong to him we're gonna go decimate the place yikes um is this an overreaction does it feel like I know I know we haven't gotten through the passage so you don't want to answer the questions like Scott you could be setting us up you set us up all the time I get it but what's it feel like overreaction it's going to be watch here what's what comes when Abigail when Abigail uh, saw David she hurried got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground what's she projecting deference right I recognize you as important, and I, I don't mind getting on the floor, right? Have, have, when's the last time you got on the floor? That's no fun, right? You get on the floor, and, and you got to get down on your knees and the whole thing, and bowing down low, and you put your hands and the whole thing. You, you're, you're as, like, vulnerable as it gets, right? Take her out easy. It's, it's a submissive act in some ways. Now, did she need to do any of this? Yes, she does. Mm. So it's, ne it's, it's, it's never about need. That might be a, a f extra fill-in that's not in your fill-in. That's, that's your Sunday service extra right there. There's almost never a need, all right? She said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. That's totally unfair. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, 
oh, come on, it's your husband. You didn't talk about him like that in public? Never, never disrespect your husband in public, right? For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and what? Folly is with him, all right? We found folly. I would argue that we, we found a little bit of folly in David within the overreaction, okay? But I, your servant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt, because you've yet to hurt anybody, let's talk about this. And saving you from your own hand, right? He says, you're going to save from your own hand. What's, what's that? We don't say that phrase, do we? You know, I, I used to hang out with Fred, but he saves things with his own hand, so I stopped hanging out with him. What, what do you think that means? Because you have yet to have control issues or domineering, bossy, have to have your way, overreact, that kind of thing, right? Um, which in their culture, saving only came from one source. We're at church, I asked the question, the answer is, God. right? God is the only one that saves. So to save from your own hand would be to say you're, you're taking a position that does not belong to you. You're overstepping your bounds, right? Um, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive. Please what? Whoa, she asking forgiveness? Did she do anything wrong? Ooh, is forgiveness bigger than just your own actions then? Oh, no. This is a bigger topic now. There's going to be more aspects to it. I've got to think about it more. All right, you're catching on. Um, please forgive the trespass of your servant for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. Stay your hand, David. Careful from a, a haughty, harsh response. Let's think about this. How about we do forgiveness? Right? And I want to, if we could, um, Booth, uh, deacons back there, could you go back one slide? Because he said, please forgive the what? Shouldn't that say debts? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our. Trespasses. No, I know you don't normally say trespasses. You say debts, right? Why? We say debts. Why? Because we're Americans and we're lazy. It's quicker and easier. Right? But there's a lot of traditions where they say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's like, oh, I've got to take an extra breath just to say that. I want you to tell me why is there a good reason to say forgive us our trespasses as opposed to forgive us our debts. Mm 
And there's arguments for both. Let's not get into all of them. Today, why would it be good to say, forgive us our trespasses? See, a debt might be, I bought something, I've yet to pay for it. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, Brian and I agreed. I'm going to pay for it. I just haven't paid for it yet. He's not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. Everything's good, right? That's a debt. Is that a big deal? No. But, you know, when I got angry and I kicked in the door of his car, well, that was kind of a trespass. I may have a debt from that, but there was a bad behavior there. Why is it good for us to sometimes say, forgive us our trespasses rather than forgive us our debts? Because we trespass, we overstep. We behave badly. I love that it says it that way. Right? And it, it works for us to, to translate it that way today. Now, just for officially housekeeping, when we do the Lord's Prayer here, we do say debt. Okay, so next time. But you can say either one. We don't, we don't have rules about that. Okay. I just, we, the room just got really weird for a second. Huh? Um, it's uh, Hebrew. The original word? Trespass. Yeah. But the problem is in, uh, in the actual prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, that was in Greek. So there's a translation problem. We'll do a class on it and Okay. Uh, oh, we're back to the next slide, right? Here we go. Verse 19. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. Would, does she want him to prosper and thrive? Or she's, I, I would say she's bordering, if not firmly in prophecy here. She's telling David she knows that this is what God's going to do in the future. And by the way, is she right? She totally is. All this comes true. In the lives of your enemies, shall, he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. Ooh, that's a discerning woman right there. Did you see that word she just picked to use? She used sling. Why is that fun? She used the word he would know, right? You know, the Lord can sling too, not just you, David. Ooh, kind of fun and kind of like, ooh, a little biting. Like, you want to be on the wrong end of God's sling, David? Right? We're going to take care of your enemies that way, or at least the Lord is, because only the Lord saves. Amen? Uh, verse 30, when the Lord has done uh, to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel... Um, that's also a reference to, uh, that they used that phrase chapters and chapters ago when David was just being anointed. My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs or of conscience for having shed blood without cause. He says, don't, don't go do this. All right? you, don't need, you don't have a real cause for shedding the blood. Or for my Lord working salvation himself. All right? Now we got that same phrase again. When the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then, could you remember me? <laughs> right? I love this. It's, uh, it reminds me of the, the, the prisoners on the cross on either side of Jesus, and the one's mocking him, but the other one says, hey, when you, when you get to heaven, will you remember me? Right? And David said to Abigail, verse 32, forget you, I'm killing them all. <laughs> is, that what, is that what he said? No. He bless, said bless. It's a great first word. 
right? Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Did she get his attention? He's starting to realize, ooh, maybe I did overreact. Maybe the congregation at Rock Bible Church was right when they said, ah, it just feels like an overreaction. Blessed be your discretion. Blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. All of a sudden, he sees the truth, right? What, what do men need? They need a woman to set them straight. Amen, ladies? Okay, I, I just want to dispel something because I like to rail against this when I get a chance. Um, is there a female leadership in the Bible? right there now there's idiot kings but it's like that greek movie right yeah he's the head but i am the neck that turns the head right there's 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 female leadership all over scripture if you'll look for it at all it's it's really pretty easy to find but if you want to rail and get angry and and call christianity um chauvinistic or whatever then you know what have fun uh i'll be getting a slurpee i'm moving on um because we love our women amen who else loves our women? Does he make women discerning? Yeah, and beautiful. It's not fair. All of us men, we're upset, okay? Because you got looks and brains, and we kind of have brains. That's about it. Half brains. Okay, should we move on from the gender jokes? Okay, Julie thinks so. I'm getting facial expressions from the corner, right? Uh, blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, Blessed be you. What's he asking for there? You took initiative. You tried to follow the Lord. You tried to do good. You tried to pay good to evil. And I hope there's a payout for you. I hope God takes care of you in some special way. How, pretty cool, right? David thinking beyond just himself. Verse 34, For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, Ooh, he was thinking about hurting her. Remember he said, I'm going to not let any man stand by the time this day in the morning, right? Does that mean he's just going to kill the men? Nope. All-inclusive, right? Unless you had hurried and come to meet me truly by morning, there had not been left to Nabal so much as another slide as one male and david received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her go up in peace to your house see i have obeyed your voice and i have granted your petition hey look guys it's okay to obey women oh did we just say that at church we did abigail came to nabal and behold he was holding a feast in his house he won't feed david's guys but he'll have a huge party for himself you ever met anybody like that? You know, they can't spare a dime, but boy, you go to their house, it's like they got everything. Whatever. This is Nabal. Yeah. You like him? No, he's about to go down. He's about to go down hot. It's going to be beautiful. Here we go. Holding a fuse like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry with him, for he was very drunk. <laughs> this is not going to end well, right? So she told him nothing at all the morning light and in the morning when the wine had gone out of Nabal his wife told him these things and his heart died within him and he became as a stone 
Now, this might be depression, this might be sadness, this might be just I'm giving up or realized all the mistakes that he made. Um, and it might be realizing he's lost the trust of his wife or that David's really after him and the whole thing um, and that David was on his way with 400 soldiers and the whole thing. And about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Whoops. Um, what's the end of folly? death when david heard that nabal was dead he said bless be the lord <laughs> i just had to re eat some raisin cakes and you know have some food and talk to a pretty lady that's all i had to do he has avenged the insult i received at the hand of nabal and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing now we know because the scripture itself, the passage, has confirmed for us that what David was contemplating was wrong. Right? He was going to misstep. And the Lord has returned the evil on Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his... Oh, I guess the beauty did play a role in this, huh? But wait a minute. David has a wife already. Ooh. Saul's daughter. Michal. Ooh, what are we going to do about that? Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she said, I've had no say in this. We haven't discussed this yet. Right? No, she, she rose and bowed her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Is she excited about this? You're about to marry the most uh, powerful guy in the land, I guess. I don't know. What was she thinking? I want to live. I, it could be anything from extreme excitement to just pure survival. We don't get that. But she said the right thing, didn't she? I mean, it's not like she had a choice in this. Right? Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam, of Jezreel and both of them became his wives wait a minute what's going on here have we seen polygamy before in scripture not very much and David has a win per se and then does he overreact Right? He almost overreacted before. Now he's overreacting um, maybe on the positive side, out of joy, rather than out of anger. He, he takes two wives. Weird. Saul had given Michal, his daughter, to uh, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. Ooh, that's what happened to Michal. She's not there anymore. Been taken away. He says, oh, I'll just replace her with the cute girl on the road. And while I'm at it, I mean, I'm collecting wives. Why don't I? Now, is this a good thing? This is descriptive rather than prescriptive. And what I want us to see is what we're going to continue to see with David. He's going to start to misstep more and more. Okay? So none of y'all are going to go out of here and say, oh, we're allowed to have more than one wife. No, you're not. No. You're allowed to do folly like David or Nabal, or you can pursue forgiveness and figure out what am I supposed to do and how do I keep from overacting, misstepping, or 
trespassing. Amen? May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Okay, now that's a long little story there. 44 verses. Uh, what do we draw out of that? I think at least three things. Okay? And the first one we're, we're going to draw from is that phrase, you know, where he was going to take salvation by his own hand. And I, I've given you a whole bunch of verse references for this. It, you'll see in this um, first fill-in here. Uh, but careful when you take matters into your own hand. That sounds like what he was doing. He says, hey, I, I'm, I shouldn't be taking salvation by my own hand. Um, do you ever try to solve stuff yourself? Well, you know, if you want it done right, you just got to do it. Ooh. Is there ways to misstep there or trespass? Yeah, when it's somebody else's responsibility or they care deeply about it and you just jump in, bull in a china cabinet, and bam, now there's no more china. <laughs> Plates. What happens when you take matters into your own hand? Well, sometimes you solve it. What are the potential negatives? A whole bunch of guys could die. You could lose your wife. I must look at the ball. Ball try to take things into his own hands. We started saying, oh, who, "Who are you? Who's your dad? Do I even know you? Do I even know where you came from?" Right? He says, "I don't know." Now, if he had thought about it a little bit, maybe referenced his wife, who apparently had a high get it factor. Maybe he not, might not have taken things into his own hands. Right? Now, can it go well when you take matters into your own hand? Can you? Give me an example, please, because I beg to differ. Abigail, Abigail the whole passage, right? Who else? Anybody else? There was a nameless young man. Ooh, good job, Robin, who said, I better go talk to Abigail. Now, if you're the pastor and you're preaching, you get to come up with your fill-ins by yourself, right? And it could have said, never take matters into your own hands. That would have been wrong. Why? Sometimes you're supposed to, right? God calls you some, it's time to go do that. When it honors God and honors your neighbor and provides for others and serves and helps the ministry of Rock Bible Church progress forward. Commercial. Um, then you're probably supposed to do it, right? I could also wrote, always take matters into your own hands, and we could have talked about David and Abigail and the young man and the whole thing. And why would that be wrong? Because David took matters into his own hand, and it was, if it wasn't for Abby, I mean, let's be honest, her name's Abby, right? Right? Abby came in and saved the day. Right? So we got to be... How do you know the difference between those two? Always take matters and never take matters in your hand. How do you know the difference between those? It starts with D. It was used twice about Abigail. We got to be discerning. We got to think a little. You know, God has, has not called you to blanket salvation or blanket forgiveness or blanket anything. There's one blanket. Ready for you? Oh, this is like shock is new information. He's God. You're not. That's really the only blanket. Right? And so we start jumping in and doing our own thing. You get yourself in real trouble. You see all those numbers there? 3, 10, 13, 14, 18, 23, 34, 44. What stands out there? Can you, did you catch it? Is it? Does it play out? Does it? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. What's one of these things is not like the others. Let's play Sesame Street, right? What is it? 14. But one of the young men told Abigail. Right? That guy knew this concept, the young man. Abigail knew that Nabal had an opportunity and he shirked it. David knew this from previous stories we've read and he let his emotions take over. Trouble. Trouble. Uh, second thing. Second thing is uh, discernment leads to life. Discernment leads to life. Reference the first fill-in, right? When you're discerning, what are you doing? You're stopping and to think. And one of the things, and it was mentioned a couple different times, in, in the past is you, you return evil for good. What are you discerning between? Good and evil. Right and wrong. Does our culture do that? We, you understand this, right? Our, our culture spiritually and morally is lost. Now, do they have a shot? Yes. Are they loved by God? Absolutely. Are they his creation from before time? For sure. And does he want for everyone to be saved? Yes. We got tons of verses about that. And yet, sometimes that process goes a lot longer than we like it to. Right? And we have to deal with them more than is comfortable, convenient, or costly. And when we do that, you know, great prayer for you. Lord, in this, what do you want me to discern? Why is that a great prayer? You're asking for him to get involved, and you're asking for his wisdom as well, right? And then there's a third piece. It's personal. You're asking for you. Hey, God, could you just uh, be really, really smart and be involved in this? And I'm going to stand over there. Let me know how it goes. What's wrong with that scenario? You're not, in the, you're not involved, right? Who wants a, uh, um, a uniform and wants to be on the field for the game? Right? Yeah, I, this is the weirdest thing. I've, I've had way too many teams that I've coached soccer and other sports every once in a while I run into a player they want the uniform and they want to come to practice and uh, team meetings and they want their name in the paper and all that kind of stuff but in the midst of the game I turn and go hey Johnny your turn to go in and say coach I don't feel it like it right now I think there's a little twinge somewhere can't really find out where it is Wh what are they doing Wh why are you here go home we want to play. To play and do well, we got a great little word for that in our realm. Life. You want life? Absolutely. This passage is all about, well, let's be smart about it, right? And then you've got to act on that stuff. And, and we, we should be referencing God. Abigail shows up. Did you catch how many times she used the Lord's name? 
as the Lord lives, and surely my Lord, and she's she's dialed in. Right? Hopefully David wanted her because she was spiritual and smart, not just because she was cute. Right? Um, discernment leads to life and leaves vengeance to the Lord. Great statement from David where he says, Oh, blessed be the Lord, because he has avenged. Right? And, and why do we need to be reminded of that? Because if we reference the first villains, usually we want to take matters into our own hand. We're going to solve it. And we're going to make them pay. Right? Do you know any middle-aged, white, type A driven men in your life that act that way? You know at least one. Dude, Howard, what are you doing? <laughs> Howard's in the back pointing straight at me. <laughs> right? Like, that's oh, you. I know you too long. Right? We have a tendency to go, mm, I know there's that one blanket of God is God and I'm not, but I just want to play him for a little while. Maybe a prayer for this one is, God, where, where can you pull me back? Where can you stay my hand? That's what Abigail does for David. I would argue God does it for David through Abigail. Um, but I like um, the fill-ins here on number two. If you just read the fill-ins, the underlined words, what's that sentence say? discernment leads and leaves discernment is knowing when is it time for you to lead and when is it time for you to leave you can't imagine how brilliant i thought i was when i came up with that in my office like oh this is gonna play so well right okay there you go that's it it's over um oh by the way i did it for the first fill-in also, can you guys go back to the first? What's the first feeling underlined only? Careful matters. <laughs> it really does, right? And discernment leads and leaves. And then thirdly, last one, here we go. Find ways to forgive. Abigail, find ways to forgive. Young man, find a way to forgive. Did Nabal find a way to forgive? Whoops. Did David find a way to forgive? Okay, we call that three for four. Mm -hmm. There's a message there. And usually when Scripture does something three times in a section or a passage, they're trying to emphasize so that we get it. Yeah, you're going to be angry. Yeah, you're going to be offended. Yeah, you're going to be wronged. Yeah, your one feeling is going to get offended. Right? It's one of my good friends like to say, you hurt my one feeling. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and yet, how do we respond? Do we repay good for evil? We sure try. We're terrible at it, by the way. It's like we need practice. I was thinking about this. Um, I was actually listening to a um, podcast of Ed Noble, Journey Community Church in uh, La Mesa, California. Um, and I love that guy. He's about 10 years ahead of me in the whole thing. Um, but he described forgiveness as like a muscle. He didn't really... He was talking about something else, and then I was, but I knew we were talking about it this way, and so I put what he said and what we're talking, put it together. But I'm giving him credit, anyways. Right? Forgiveness is a muscle. Have, have you ever 
come across somebody who needed to do something and they, and they physically couldn't do it? And you walked over and you're like, yeah, oh, no problem. Here, done. What's next? Right? What's the problem for them? The muscles can't do it. Right? You ever been trying to do something and someone else pulls up? They're like, oh, yeah, boom, done. What's the solution? Work out. How do you work out forgiveness? What if you what if you started exercising that muscle? Uh, Lord, maybe your prayer on this one. Lord, who do I need to forgive? Well, Scott, you need to forgive Brent. <laughs> it's not his fault. Right? Um, uh, some of you need to forgive yourself. The things you're still holding on to, shame, guilt. Uh, some of you are letting uh, someone else have real estate in your head because they did something and you can't move on. Shame on you, that's a sin. You've made them more powerful than God. Is that a lie? How can I help someone else learn to forgive, exercise their forgive muscle? That, uh, guys, this is so counterculture. You won't see it anywhere. Some someone's going to think bad thoughts or yell or gesture at you when you drive out of here, right? Maybe even in the parking lot. Thank you, Robert, because that was supposed to be funny, and you at least laughed. Everybody else, like, it's so intense right now. Um, find ways to forgive, or or, and if you don't find ways to forgive, you're gonna apparently find something else. It's a short word. Any guesses? Look at the title. Or find folly. If you can't find ways to forgive, guess what? Who's going to suffer? You know, here's the thing, because I know what you're thinking, because this is the way I think too. I read the passage of the folly, and I was like, oh, that guy is, he's a fool. He's folly-ish. I would never fallify that way, right? And yet, <laughs> you know, None of God's scriptures were meant for you to read for someone else. They were all meant for you to read for who? You, because I, I, I don't know how to say this, and it might be too soon for this joke, but we all have the folly virus. We're all infected. Um, and no mask is going to save you from it. We have to protect ourselves from our own thinking from our own emotions. Well, my emotions are my emotions, and I, that's just that's how I feel. Yes? And you have control over this. What? No, it's just what I feel is what I feel. No. If you feel something, you choose to feel it. If you don't want to feel it anymore, there are things you can do to solve it. It's called mental health. I know great counselors. That was plural, by the way. Find one that works for you. Meet with your pastor. He's very difficult. But find things you could Go serve someone else. Go ask your spouse what they would like you to do that day. Well, how's that going to change my emotions at all? It will distract you from navel-gazing. <laughs> hopefully get you off the ambulance. You get to control your thinking. You get to control your feeling. 
Now our thoughts are going to pop up. Our feelings are going to wander in. They will. Right? That's what we have a God for. That's what we have, why we experience discernment when we choose it. It's why we recognize folly when we see it. And then when possible, or, and when appropriate, which by the way, those are called qualifiers. If it's possible, like you actually are able and capable, and it's appropriate, like this might be a spot for you rather than it's someone else's responsibility or someone else's business and you should stay out of it. When those two things are true, maybe it's time to be proactive. Take some initiative. Go get involved. Right? I had a close encounter with death this week. I was at a store, minding my own business, buying very inexpensive, unimportant things. This clerk lady trying to check people out. And, and big guy, very big guy, Decides he doesn't like clerk lady. Starts yelling at her. Cussing at her. Threatening her. And I thought, oh, well, guess it's time for me to get beat up. <laughs> so I just started walking over there. Just walked over. I didn't say anything. Didn't look him in the eye. And never look an animal in the eye. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, all right, I think it might be about six seconds for him to take me. But he won't be doing anything to her. It's just bruises and stuff, and I got Kaiser. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They can fix anything for $15, right? And have. And so I'm just walking over, and I'm just getting in proximity, and I'm trying to discern what do I do. Now, this is where the story gets really fun and makes me more upset at the same time. I'll explain both. As I'm kind of walking over there, someone else happened to be in the store with me. We were together. His name's Brent. <laughs> Brent comes around the corner. And here's a little old guy with Yeti. And the dude's like, gone. <laughs> and I was like, I'm really glad I solved that. <laughs> and that's, that's why I'm angry, too. I'm losing my bodyguard. <laughs> um, arguing with an attendant is folly. Ignoring something that you can do something about is folly. But folly is everywhere. We're Christians. God has called us to love the Lord and love our neighbor. And there are way more ramifications for how that plays out than we could ever talk about on all the Sundays combined. Amen? And God's going to blunt breath. Bless Brent, anyways. <clears throat> if you're here this morning and you're realizing that you've, you've never taken a step, you've never discerned enough to say, all right, God, me and you. When are you going to make that choice? Today? 
you want to make that choice today, I want to give you the opportunity to make that choice today. And you could say a prayer that's as simple as that. God, me and you, today, now on. Now I know a lot. there's a lot of fancy ways to say it. You say it however you want. You discern that you and God from this day forward. Help me, God, exercise that muscle. Amen? Uh, Lord, thanks for today, for your word, the idea that we can look at truth and your scripture and that it's from you. And we get to see imperfect people and yet we get to see perfect concepts and we know you're the author of all those things. You, you orchestrate and control so many different things, so many ways. I, pr I pray you would help us individually to pursue, to initiate with you. Help us to be good at that despite ourselves. Protect our thinking, protect our feeling, Lord. And then uh, we, we do ask your blessing on the Baldwins. And we ask your blessing on the offering that we're about to receive. Pray that no one feels obligated to give. But let us do that as a, just as a family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. three McDuffies on stage at the same time. Now we get Nick to preach and we could have four. Tomorrow, Monday, Wayne is 95. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Wayne. You guys are a band. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, Jen. You've been discerning and finding forgiveness for 95 years. That's life. May you have life. Amen. Go with him.